0: Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's
1: time to awaken. Today we have with us the author, Madder Nan Webster, who was born in Amsterdam to two accomplished yoga teachers. Her bringing up was centered on the spiritual traditions and practices of yoga. Today, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist and is certified in kundalini meditation. Her genuine love for humanity and fascination with the human mind and behavior inspired her to pursue a career where she could influence people and enrich their lives. She's here to talk about her new book, The Stressless Brain, which is an introduction for people to use meditative tools to change, transition, and ultimately heal their stress and anxiety. It is such an honor to have this beautiful soul with us today. Thank you so very much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm super excited. I love talking with people and playing off each other's thoughts and feelings and, and ideas back and forth. I love it.
1: So how did you get your beautiful name? You know, that's a funny story. I was actually
2: raised in a very yogic, religious ashram community slash cult. So I was born with this name. It's a yogic name. It's actually a Sikh name also used in the Hindu faith as well. So Mutter means sweet, honey, lotus has many meanings and nan means eyes. So my name means sweet eyes or lotus eyes. So I kind of figure as a therapist, I'm able to see the beauty out of the muck.
1: Oh, hmm. I want to rename myself. <laughs> I love your name. Oh, thank you.
0: Yes. Well, let's talk about that for a moment because, yeah. you know, the word cult, you know, people are going to be like, ooh, what does she mean? Explain that.
2: Um, it's interesting because if
0: you think about it, all religions, and this might push
2: a few buttons, but all religions started as cults. Yeah. This pressure of you don't believe this, then you're out. Yeah. And this can happen in a sorority. This can happen in a religion. This can happen in a family system. right Yeah it can happen in a university or in our government. So I think that it is this pressure having to conform. And whenever we have that pressure and religion is really I mean it's a really great example of the extreme of that. As I was a little girl, and I love my grandparents. They're passed away. I love, love, love them. And they were raised Catholic, and I was raised Sikh. And they used to be like, "You know what, Mother Nan, you're gonna be going to hell." And I was like, well, oh. "What hell?" You know. And but they didn't mean to be mean. It's this piece of when we believe something, and our belief becomes very narrow, and we start feeling like we're going down a hallway that never ends in our thinking. That becomes a bit cult-like, and especially when we go into the place of you need to believe what I'm believing, then that is kind of cult-like because, you know, that taps into also codependency. I'm afraid to speak my mind because you might cut me off. You may stop loving me. You may think something's wrong with me. That's also what happens in a cult, happens in relationships. Yeah. I mean, it's even with politics, like in 2020, a yeah. half a dozen clients who I was just working with them because one was Republican and one was Democratic. And I'm just like, and they were fighting and fighting. And, and it was just so intense and like almost on the verge of divorcing because of a difference in politics. It's I mean, it could have been like, you know, if you're Mormon versus Catholic, or if you're Jewish in, and Muslim or Catholic. or So it can't, it's again, it's this, this piece of, you know, how do we, like, you know, if you think, you know, like, I I really love, when I was reading on your website that purpose and meaning in life and connecting to the sense of the soul, it is the sense of, well, who am I? And, you know, when my son say things that are, like, Opposite of my belief, I asked him, like, well, how does that work for you? What are you getting out of it? Like, you know, I was telling my 18-year-old son today on the phone, like, you are an adult. You gotta figure this out. I can tell you my opinion, but ultimately it's your life. And, and you gotta stand within what you choose.
0: Yeah. Which is hard. I've never thought of codependency the way you brought it up. Shannon and I have talked about codependency, and we're both in recovery from being codependent. I had a woman I was waiting on last night. I'm serving at a restaurant part time who said mm-hmm. she was in recovery. And, and naive me, I just assumed she meant alcohol. And she's like, no, from codependency. And I sat there and I thought, I love that people are admitting that and saying that and mm-hmm. freeing themselves from that. Yeah. Well, and actually, they do have like AA, they have CODA. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we're trained
2: that as children with our parents. It's, the cycle of, of relationships. And I think that, you know, I, I tell my sons and I tell people like, I really want my children to be 10 times greater than me, 10 times. I used to always joke when my kids were little, like, I didn't know they would surpass me at age four, but part of it is how can we love without putting hooks as a parent? And because that helps them then as they become adults to not put hooks into their partners and picking healthier partners codependency is a lot of when we are afraid to say something or do something because the other person could withhold something love communication sex money kindness you know people can like stonewall silence silence in japan to completely shun somebody by being in a person's presence but not acknowledging them at all is like the worst torture
0: Mm-hmm. You I'm know I, I want to dig into this a tiny bit deeper. Yeah. I think that it's one of the hardest things for mothers especially to grasp is how do you love your children without having those hooks? Yeah. Like what are some actual tangible examples because when I try to explain to people that there was a moment in my life where I was able to detach with love those hooks Mm -hmm. and understand that I don't own my children, that they are not not my property. And I was able to, as Shanna always says, loving them without attachment. Mm -hmm. People look at me like I'm crazy. Like, how do you do that? I mean, they're Mm -hmm. literally attached to you with an umbilical cord. They are attached to your nipple when they come out, you know, to feed them. Like, how Mm -hmm. do you not attach yourself to your child and you're still able to love them?
2: Yeah. My hair was down to my waist and when my son left for college, I cut it all off and I decided it was a bit of a ritual of, of cutting it off. The braid itself is a foot and a half long and I'm going to donate wow. it. And I mean, I love what you're sharing. And, and it's so true, Mandy, like they're not ours. We were the vessel that brought them to this experience of this human experience of life. And they're not ours. And a tool that I've used for years and years, and I teach it with my clients is, when you find yourself feeling hurt, because sometimes out of hurt we we hook people, our our children, our spouses, our lovers, whatnot, our family, and out of love we hook people. And what I do is when I find this this it, it it's it can be a neurotic feeling. So you first step is you got to start noticing how am I feeling, because I always tell people if you can't reflect, you can't correct. If you can't see your behavior, you can't change it. And the second thing is I am continuously blessing my children and letting go of my attachments. And for me, God is not a bad word. So I'll say, you know, God bless my first son. I let go of my attachment. God bless my second son. I let go of my attachments. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it again and again because I'm cutting those hooks. Whenever we have these exchanges with people, I've, I've talked about this for years with clients. We have these invisible strings between our partners, our children, our family, our friends. Some of them are healthy, and some of them are unhealthy. But the hook, I've always thought of them as like, I'm not a fisherman or anything, but a fisher's hook has two hooks. There's one that snags the fish, and one that hooks the fish. So it can't release. And emotional trauma, drama, and love are hooks. And because our soul doesn't have a hook, our soul's like, wow, I'm feeling love. And our soul's going, wow, I'm feeling hatred. Wow, this is amazing. It doesn't have an attachment to good or bad. That's our mind. Mm-hmm. So when I say, God bless Susie, God bless Mark, God bless you know, you know know my ex-partner or even my partner, even if it's someone you love and you want in your life, you can still bless them because quantum physics talks about an exchange of energy What you put out, you get back tenfold. So that's the first step. Second is I let go of my attachments. And that starts to unhook those hooks because it leads with love. You bless. And then you end with letting go. And you do it again and again. And it starts to, what you're looking for is to neutralize. It's not good, bad, right, wrong, stop, go. It's just neutral, which is the soul. The meditative
1: mind is neutral. Once I realized that this was something that I, I, first of all, I didn't know anything different. Like you said earlier, I was taught this. My mom was like that. Her mom was like that. I realized it was this generational thing, specifically very strongly with women, in my family, when I realized that what was missing was that self-love I was looking for love to fill me up in my children, which had been done for generations. Once I was able to fill up that cup for myself, I wasn't looking for them to make me happy anymore or to make me feel successful or to make me look good because I was full. This amazing, beautiful man from Puerto Rico told this story about, you know, he's talking about impermanence and, and change. And he said, from the moment we leave our mother's breast, that is like, almost like a death in mm-hmm. some way. And because now you're going to the bottle, right? And you're transitioning to this new stage. We can't keep them on the breast, right? Mm-hmm. We have to allow that growth, that change. It's inevitable. And if we try to hold on to it, I mean, you'll be breastfeeding your 40-year-old child. <laughs> and we know a lot of people who are living at home with their parents. got <laughs> the cord. You can call it
0: strings and not make it seem woo woo. I call it ethereal chords. Yeah, like, fine. oh boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you well, and then you want to know what was hard for me is that when all of these moms, like, oh my God, my kid's off to college. How am I going to live without them? I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I'm so depressed. I haven't left my house for like months and I'm over here like, I feel fine. Like, I feel great. <laughs> it felt wrong. Mm. And then I felt bad as a mother, like, wait a minute, why, why am I not so, because of these worldly conditions, I'm being told that I'm supposed to be miserable right now because my kids are going off to become adults and I don't feel that way, you know? Well, I think,
1: you know, a big piece of our society is, is that women's identity is through motherhood or being a wife. I ended up having so much anxiety, so much pain medicated, came to the point where I felt so empty and so destroyed. Mm-hmm. That was actually a good place because in that place, I was able to kind of hear my soul, like knocking on the door saying, Hey, are we ready? <laughs> ready yeah. Or that alarm clock going off. Mm-hmm. But in that place, that was kind of like, so I started therapy and whatnot and codependency was one of the first things that, that I had to hit on. Mm-hmm. Um, starting to discover like what is causing, you know, you to feel out of control of your life. Mm-hmm. that this anxiety is now controlling you. It was connecting with that self-love that helped me get out of there. But before that, the only thing that was feeling that was drugs, alcohol, you know, medications and codependency.
3: Yeah.
0: Can you be codependent on things that aren't physical other than individuals? Can you be codependent on emotions? Can you be codependent mm-hmm. on animals? Can you be codependent on God? Can you be codependent you- on... I mean, yes,
2: you can. I mean, like, I mean, like latter part, can you be codependent on God? Remind the insult, the first thing that popped into my mind is that spiritual bypassing and spiritual superiority is like, oh, I'm so spiritual. Like yeah. And, and I'm like, that's not what spirituality is. I mean, spirituality is, you know, there's the mind, there's the body and there's the soul when, when one is in my experience, you know, everyone's different, but in my experience when we're truly connected to our soul consciousness, time stands still. And the minute you're aware, you're out of it. You're back into your human form. And, and that's the thing Like you can sit for meditation and you can go deep into this connection with your soul or your meditative mind. And. 22 minutes can feel like three minutes. That's when you're one with everything. When we come back into the thought, like, oh, I'm thinking my spirituality, you're back in your human form of your mind, and and the mind is, is, you know, is a complex organ. It's the most amazing complex organ of all time. I mean, science, quantum physics, neurology, we have no idea what the mind can do. And, and so, you know, the things that I try to work with clients on is, is that the mind thinks in polarities, the mind thinks in right, wrong, good, bad, and, and it's impacted by these lenses from our past trauma, drama relationships with our, you know, family of origin. So, so there is that piece. And, and just to kind of, you know, shake up the bottle a bit, um, people can be codependent on self-help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Daniel
2: Gasson. Yeah, he yeah, wrote a book on that. Yeah, self help
1: addict.
2: Yeah, because people can be it. It. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, they have to go again and again. When I was twenty-two, I got married at twenty-two, very young. Twenty-five yes. years married this 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 year. Lots and lots of hard work. Let me tell you that. Um, and. The thing is, I was got involved with Course of Miracles. So I don't know, um, it was just at, back in the, you know, mid 90s, I was involved with the Course of Miracles and I would go to these retreats of like three, 400 people and there'd be these cathartic, ex, you know, experiences and people would be crying and wailing and talking about their father and their mother. And I was just like, wow, I was like young and I was trying to figure out my upbringing and my pain. <laughs> And I was just like, wow. And I learned a lot. I was just like, you know what? I, I have a psych, I have a history in my family of a lot of angry, you know, family members and cutting people off and disowning them. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like when I was having conflict with my parents at, in my early twenties, I was like, I kept blessing them. They were mad at me when I, you know, left the religion and they, but I just kept blessing them and blessing. I was 23 years old. I was like, I'm not, I'm breaking the cycle. And by the third event that I went to, I was looking around, I'm like, it's the same people and they're saying the same story. And I was like, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be growing? And then the story changes. Like, so I realized Mm -hmm. I take what I need, I change and I move on. It doesn't mean that I, I'm done with the Course of Miracles and what I learned. It just means I've integrated it. And now I'm moving on. i walking down the path. I'm not staying at the cul-de-sac.
1: Right. And that's how I felt in the medication. I was not, even though I was maybe improving, my story wasn't changing. There was nothing changing permanently in my life. It wasn't until I said, let me explore a little deeper And that's when I, you know, started meditation. What I thought was freaking amazing was that I, here I am, I was releasing some of the hormones that I was actually taking in pill form. Mm-hmm. So, science and research has found and proven
2: that through meditation, we actually can release GABA amino acid, which is a natural calming amino acid that is released in the frontal lobe of the brain. You can buy this now in Pharmaca, at CVS, at Whole Foods, online. Like, it's, and and people who have really severe anxiety, you can just chew it, and it goes straight into your into your mouth, into the skin, and it goes straight to the brain. But meditation is free and you can do it multiple times a day, even just one minute. It doesn't have to be this 22 minutes or an hour, two three times a day. It can be short little stints as long as you keep hitting that, you know, hitting that every time, every day. And so, so that's one. Second is meditation. Breath meditation helps just to look um, relax your sympathetic nervous system which is the fighter you know like the reaction and fixing and mm-hmm. you know the, the the um amygdala fight flight and freeze and by meditating you're increasing the parasympathetic nervous system which relaxes you and so studies have found that even three minutes of meditation lowers your blood pressure so this is scientifically proven and i've had a client not a client excuse me a meditation student who pro who Kind of like tested it at home. I was like, oh my God, my blood sugar was lower and it was very high before. Another thing that can happen, I'm, I'm a huge um supporter, I love chanting meditation. Mm. And you know, it's it's really woo-woo for a lot of people, but I love mm. it. And there's a few things what I like to tell people. One is is that when we chant, we actually can work on changing the thoughts in our head. So what happens is is that when we, when we get triggered in our life, like something triggers, it's a certain word we hear or tone of voice or it, you know like someone's sweatshirt color or something happens, and and it's similar to a past trauma drama. Our mind we have these mirroring neurons, so that's one thing. So we we then see it and we go click into this neurological path. We have an old pattern chanting meditation cuts and breaks those old patterns. One of the ways it does that also is is that when you chant and you hear your own voice it goes into the ear, bounces on the eardrum, hits the hypothalamus and then calms the frontal lobe. That's one. Second, it increases the white matter in the upper partial part of the brain. That was um, proven in a study that chanting singing in hymns. So if you're a Christian and you're religious and you're like, I don't want to sing any of that Sanskrit woo-woo stuff. My, my, you know, Maybe your pastor says meditation's bad. Well, just go sing hymns. Like, Find yeah. a beautiful hymn and chant it, sing it around your house. That increases the white matter. And white matter helps us to emotionally process our drama, trauma life. Right. So when I'm having a really hard time and I'm feeling triggered, I will chant out loud as my mind is thinking because the chant, I love to tell people meditation is a washing machine for the brain and chanting a spot remover.
0: That is amazing, I can't believe it. And when you say chanting does like just in your mind, if, if you're not physically saying it, can that count as chanting like internal chanting? 50%. 50%. It's,
2: it's, yeah. it's, not, it's good. It's a good place to start. So people who are new to chanting, like in my book, if you're interested in getting it, it comes with 37 free downloads of meditation. So you can listen yeah. first. I tell people first, you know, first two, three days, just listen, do the meditation along, listen to my voice. Then you mouth along, you just move mm-hmm. your lips, no sound. You just move your lips for a couple of days. Do it. I don't care if you do that for a month. Then you go into whisper and then you go into chanting. I have found, I've never found someone who doesn't like it once they do it, but most people go, oh yeah, I prefer chanting
1: over silent. Well, and and it's that vibration in your body. It raises your frequency, the different sounds. I mean, I don't even know what I'm saying half the time, but my body does. My body and my soul are like, yes. So here's the
2: thing is, so there's two things. One is, there is actually a reason why it's good to chant in a different language it's not your mother tongue because mm-hmm. remember if we're chanting um you know i'm a beautiful soul is connected to everything then our mind might go yeah but not everything
3: and i'm not oh, always beautiful God.
2: sometimes i'm fat oh i'm feeling kind of fat today oh my oh my wow. that's kind of blow that's what happens with our birth t- language right but if we're saying Hummy, hum, brum, hum, hummy, hum, brum. We have no idea what that means. I mean, we could go read and says, it means I'm one with everything.
1: This is but, insane.
2: But our mind doesn't get wow. hooked. So you yeah. can do it in Latin. You can do it in French. If you're, if you don't know right. what French, you know, it doesn't matter. So you It's just repetitive.
1: I'm blown away. So do you know that this is actually how I kind of like crossed over from trying to meditate, right? Because yeah. that was difficult to try to meditate, to try to shut my mind off, to becoming this just energy that was experiencing is because mm-hmm. of the chanting. I didn't even know what the freak I was listening to. I yeah. had no idea. I would sit there and I was, um, I was making some crocheted rugs and stuff. And I would just put on this, it was a Hindu chant. It was mm-hmm. love is God, God is love. And it just said it over and over. For some reason, it just, it had me. Now my kids are singing it. They knew it. And then Mm -hmm. it was just like this magical thing that happened. And then all of a sudden, it was like veil lifted. Yeah. And I woke up amazing
2: it, it, it's chanting i it, it's huge both of my sons had their own little chant and i would sing it to them until they mm-hmm. were too cool for you know having but once in a blue moon when they're not feeling well they'll be like mama can you come rub my back and then i'll i'll chant and rub their back even though they're, they're young men now wow. the thing is is that emotions can become commotion if we don't harness my individuality, and this is an experience mm-hmm. that the emotions and experience that's happening to me. I am not the emotion.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to get into something that I saw on your website. Okay. Of course, synchronicity is always guiding me. Over the past month and a half, I've been having a lot of digestive issues, mm-hmm. and they come and go if I eat. If I eat too much, I'm, I'm in pain the next day, I can't eat. But then I feel better and I'm like, oh, I'm I'm hungry, so I'll eat again. And then I want to die. And so this has been consistently happening really since I had COVID. So I had COVID in December. I don't have my sense of smell or taste or anything. And now I have these digestive issues and Mm. kidney issues. Mm. So Mandy was looking up, because we're researchers, (laughs) and she had found a connection maybe to the vagus nerve
0: like, man, maybe we need to go to Vegas to get this healed. <laughs> I was like, my, my Vegas nerve was on point when I lived there. <laughs> That's funny. I hadn't heard that one yet. I like that.
1: So I am, I was kind of, um, um, you know, thinking, well, that might make sense. You know, that could be a possibility. Maybe there's some nerve damage or something from COVID. The other night I was like I need to focus on this more I need to try to connect with this and, and just really you know see if I can try to do some inner healing you know from the inside out I just like typed in healing meditation right wasn't looking for anything specific was just gonna fall asleep to it and I saw Deepak showed up like first and I was like oh I love Deepak, you know shout out to Deepak and so I put it on not knowing anything and I, I don't I didn't even read it you know put my headphones on and laying down he starts saying let's activate the vagus nerve first breathe in for four, hold for two, exhale six. I did it over and over and over. And just like the first five minutes, girl, can't even tell you all of the nauseous that I felt. It was gone. Yeah. Then I go to research you, you know, (laughs) for this podcast and there it is again. I don't know much about it. I think that most people don't know much about it. So can you help us out?
2: yes so i kind of have a little bit of a chester cat grin on my face because we, you know the yogis have been talking about the vagus nerve forever i mean i it's been part of my language for my whole life 48 years and now it's all you know in the last 3 years it's very popular everyone's talking about the vagus nerve so I'll talk about the science first, and that's one of the things that I want people to understand. Is yes, I have a woo-woo background. I do. I do use a lot of woo-woo interventions. I love research. I love science, and I love psychology. So I'm always crossing over. Yeah, I'm always like, well, here's the woo-woo, and then here's the science that backs it up. And I always tell people, give something three chances. Give it three chances. Like you can't know the first time. The first time you're skeptical. The second time you're a little bit curious and the third time you're experiencing it and then you can decide. So the vagus nerve is actually in the center of our chest and the vagus nerve is connected to every single organ and gland in your body, except for your adrenals. And the reason why is because when you stimulate the vagus nerve, it's a natural relaxer in your body. You don't wanna relax your adrenals because it's your fight or flight. And, and you need that to be on because if you know if someone breaks in your house you don't need to be like totally relaxed you want to be instantly on. So that's one thing. Second is is that the vagus nerve can be stimulated through rhythm and patterns. So I did read an interesting study many years ago in New York that these doctors created a machine that they can for a price put into your body and you push a button and it will stimulate your vagus nerve. And I'm like inside your body. Yes. Inside your body. You can do this with your breath and with chanting. So all chanting, here's the thing is there's a difference between chanting and singing. Chanting has a steady rhythm. If you listen to the Gregorian chants for if you're Catholic or Christian, it's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to the chanting. If you listen to Buddhist chanting, Hindu, Sikh, you know yogic it's there's a rhythm to it it's not singing that rhythm stimulates your 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 organs and your glands and specifically your your vagus nerve when you stimulate the vagus nerve it actually can lower inflammation of your body inflammation in your body causes depression and multiple other issues so i go ahead did you want to say something
1: Just, I find this just so amazing because that's exactly what I experienced to be true, but I wasn't chanting. So now I'm thinking as soon as we get off the phone, I'm just going to go chant and chant and chant. I just want to feel better.
2: I can tell you a couple of yoga exercises you could do every day that also helps us stimulate the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve, when you stimulate it, it helps with depression because you're lowering inflammation in your body. And it also calms you. It helps the parasympathetic nervous system to be more active so i actually have a cd called meditations for the vagus nerve and there's eight of them i think on there and they're all breath meditations. so i know a lot of people do the inhale exhale i i take it a step further It's actually sniffs so so it's a hold your breath suspend your breath out and i have music that goes Wahe guru, wahe guru, wahe guru, wahe guru. Wahe guru, wahe guru, wahe guru, wahe guru. So, for you Christians out there in June, I'm coming out with a Christian meditation CD that will be in Latin and in English. So, one of the ones I'm doing is actually called Let God's Will Be Done. And so, it'll be in English and it will be in Latin for those of you who really just really feel connected to your Christian roots and belief system. But there is like That that sniffing, it stimulates because your lungs hold grief. And so you're sniffing and you're slowly increasing the sniffs as you fill the lungs. You hold your breath and then you slowly exhale as you are emptying your lungs. And at the end, this is very important. You wanna pull the navel, the belly button into the back of the spine on the exhale you so you've completely exhaled all the CO2. You sit in that in that space and then you inhale again. And, oh and that will
1: help. There's been a few nights where I can't say because it's so bad. And the only thing that would make me feel good. And Jamie thought it was crazy, but the only thing that would make me feel good was to breathe like this. <sighs> Over and over. Wow. And he thought I was like in agony. I was like, listen, it's making me feel better. It's not mm-hmm. that I'm in that much pain right now. It's actually helping me. Just listening to my body that night, mm-hmm. I was able to connect with yeah. what my I needed with my breath. And that wasn't that's amazing. That's a perfect example. How if yeah. we're able to really truly just be present with our body, we might have the answers there on on mm-hmm. how we need to breathe or what we need to do. Some, just a couple of yogic
2: tips. These are things that help our lungs and help stimulate the vagus nerve. So I do these every single morning. So you put your hands in fists and you put your elbows to the side, you inhale, you put one arm out and exhale in. And in, ex, inhale, other arm, exhale in. So you're going So you're doing the breath and the movement. The movement works the lungs and your lymphatic system. Because when you bring when you bring your elbow back and you're pushing punching it forward, your lymphatic system's being stimulated. And okay. when, yeah, Go, do you want to say something,
0: quickly, so- Andy? Is this similar to like um, the Qigong and why they're bringing their arms in with the movements?
2: It can be, I've never done Qigong, but I know that when you do that movement, you're stretching your lungs. So what I tell people, yoga is meditation for your organs and glands. Meditation is meditation for your mind.
0: Why does our world have it so backwards? It's like, if you have a child, when your child gets to the age, why don't we teach them how to love themselves? Why do we not teach them how to breathe correctly? Know.
2: <laughs> you know, when my boys were little, because, you know, as mothers and fathers, not just mothers, hey, fathers, this is you as well. When our children are little, it is our job to to soothe them, to soothe them when they're little, when they start becoming like past seven. This is when we're teaching them how to self soothe. So, so when my children would be mm-hmm. having a meltdown or being out of sorts, I should to say to them, what do you need? Are you hungry? Do you need a hug? Do you need a sleep? Or do you got to poop? And and they would be like, ah, and then I would hear, oh, I'm going to the bathroom or like, okay. And then someone, okay, I need a snack. So when you start saying to your children, these are the things that help you self-soothe, you got to choose. I'm not in your body. You tell me. And then when they become adults, they have that tool inside of them.
1: Yeah. Well, you guys want to hear something really disturbing. Yeah what oh gosh what? in my family we don't fart and the women in my family don't fart and you, and no. you don't poop <laughs> well okay we don't well, let me we tell don't you tell something. people about it but i'm, I'm learning to fart <laughs> i actually use this analogy
2: a lot with clients to say emotions if you hold your emotions inside it's like holding your poop inside you will die I know. I it's the same. It's the same. Right. So, so there's a couple things. Again, I'm not a doctor or anything, but not so important. one of the things is that, you know, aloe vera gel can be very soothing for your gut. Yeah. And also, you know, the yogis believe that our digestion is um how we emotionally digest. So you could do some journaling of like, you know, what am I holding on to? What am I not releasing? I'm holding
1: is- on to the heart.
0: You gotta that- let it rip. <laughs> recently I have been, my body has been detoxing a lot. So I don't know how, I did not think this podcast was going to go towards a poop conversation, but here we go. We are doing it. We are doing it. We are doing it. We're talking about the shit literally that people normally don't want to talk about. Yeah. There's this big shift energetically that has happened. And I feel like my body is going to like this detox of stuff. Let that shit go. Yeah. <laughs> And so what you were saying before i thought of that because it's interesting um that that's happening and i feel like my skin has cleared up all kinds of things so do you believe that energy can affect what we're holding on to
2: a hundred percent a hundred percent most mental health issues affect us physically it doesn't happen like the one day it's it's over years and years of like, if we were taught, I can't be angry, that affects our body over years. If we were taught that anger is the only emotion that we can express, so anger affects the liver. If we were, you know, taught you can never cry, you can never feel sad, or we're too sad and we're always like wailing and always in drama, then that affects our kidneys and our bladder.
1: It, well, it, that's it, what I have. So yeah. this morning I found out I have kidney stones and so that's, yeah. So that's yeah, fear. Again. So that's fear. fear. Yeah. Fear to fart. I'm
0: telling you, fear yeah. to fart. You know, we don't need our amygdala in the ways we originally did when we first were on earth. You know, we don't have tigers jumping out of us. We're not literally every day fighting for our lives. Can you control this vagus nerve, like, so that it's not overreacting, um, in ways that we don't need it to, like we used to. Yeah, Well, it's not your vagus
2: nerve. It's actually your mind. So so that's what I tell people is, is that, you know, you were saying earlier, Shanna, that, that, you know, people have this misconception that meditation is silence and being in stillness. Mm -hmm. That's not what it is. It's not like people who've been meditating for 50, 30 years, if they can get, you know, 30 seconds of complete stillness of nothing, that's a huge achievement. It's not. So here's the thing is, is that there's the brain and there's the mind. The mind cannot stop functioning. The brain cannot stop functioning or you would die. So what meditation does is that it changes the quality of thoughts and the quantity of thoughts. Mm. So over the period of, medita- of time of meditation is you start creating these moments, these pockets of stillness and your quality of thought. So the quality of thoughts is what triggers your amygdala and also triggers your, your vagus nerve and your glands, like your glands secrete into like, oh my, you know, like when you're driving and someone cuts you off and you're like, ah, you your 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 amygdala is going fight, fight, freeze, and and, and your vagus nerve and your in your adrenals and you're just going like and but it's not a cyber tooth tiger. It's over, it's done. But people keep driving down the road and maybe talk to their co-pilot for five minutes. What a jerk that driver was. Who cares? That person does not even know you exist. Yeah. And so But what happens is that our mind remember thinks in polarities right wrong good bad stop go we have to work on teaching the mind to serve our higher self rather than that we're servants to the mind and that's what
1: meditation does especially chanting right it creates that space to be able to make that choice do you, you think just, that what, it just like retrains your brain? It gives it you a little bit. It retrains yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty mm-hmm. is we can change at any time.
2: We just have to want to. We have to be able to want to. And the first step is, is to acknowledge, okay, what I'm doing isn't working. Yeah. And yeah. then and then we go to, well, what am I doing?
0: Yeah. And then we go to,
2: yeah. well, what meaning do I give to what I'm doing? And then we go to, Where did I learn to put that meaning in what I do? And then we go to forgiving our inner child, forgiving our parent, letting it go, changing the patterns.
1: Yeah, I think people are skipping all that because they're like, oh, I want to heal. I want want what you have. I want to be spiritually, you know, able to connect and and maybe like connect with Claire's and all this stuff. But they, they want to just skip the whole healing part and go straight into the deep meditation, need a spirit guide. And I'm just like, wait, what? No, what? they just
0: wait. Hold on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I think that when I was at the beginning stages, I wasn't even able to look at myself. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. I don't like what's happening. So how can I change this out here? Mm-hmm. So it was until I was brave enough to look in the mirror and connect with myself and know that that's mm-hmm. where it started. That that shift and that change started.
2: Yeah. You know, people come to me and and I'm known as a no bullshit therapist, like I I have a full practice waiting list and and I'm known like I don't like I don't want to waste your time and money and I don't want to waste my time And, and I'm known for that and part of it is that sense of how do you stop to self-reflect and sometimes we just don't know how and that that's okay and this is why i love yoga especially kundalini yoga it's really weird it's different it's birthed out of a weird cult. blah 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 but here's the thing is i've seen it change people and i've seen it help people learn how to feel like how to be in the moment we don't know how to do that we're constantly Next experience, next food, next wine, next sugar, next shopping, next sex, next person, next, 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 next. Like we have a hundred thousand TV channels with all the different apps. Like it's just overstimulation. It's about coming back and being with yourself and sitting with your shit. You know, no pun intended. <laughs> or your farts.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah, oh my god, Shannon, you know who I keep feeling like I have to give a shout out to? Yeah. My grandma Terry. My grandma used to always fart and talk about pooping and how important it was and we how old people do the, the, the more you fart, the more you fart, the healthier you are is what she'd always say. And um, you know, it's it's true. We're talking about it, it's true. Um, I love that you're a no bullshit therapist um, because, you know, your, your time is valuable. uh, Number one, but also our society has been trained to, I want what I want and I want it now. Mm -hmm. They want to skip the hard work. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is very interesting and that you're right. We have not only forgotten to feel, but we've forgotten how to feel.
3: Yeah. yeah. I also wanted to so say much.
1: that I love that that you still use something because you know it works. Mm-hmm. You don't care what it's called. I do the same. Like in my sessions, I can't stick to just one thing, one protocol that I learned in a book. I know that certain things work and I'm going to add them in. They may, I I don't even tell people, but I love how you do that because you're aligned with it. You know, Mm -hmm. you trust that. I know that this works. We get stuck on the language part that scares people away with certain things.
2: You know, and part of that is just, unfortunately, the more education and growth of our society, the more ignorant many have become. So it is that sense of, you know how to be how to sit with ourselves and how to be with ourselves and and you know we're not taught that and part of it is like if you think of children that awareness can't happen really until their late 20s because their brain isn't even fully developed but you can plant seeds you you know us as parents you know need to be consistent And we have to do our own work and it's never too late. It is absolutely never too late. Even if your children are grown or teenagers, you as parents, we take the responsibility to change, heal, and grow. That will be a ripple effect to your children. They will see it, they will feel it, and they will learn from it.
0: I love that. Let's talk about this book. Can we really have a stress-free brain?
2: You can have a stress-free brain it's about having a stress-free mind. So the brain is just an organ. You know, the brain's making our mouths talk. It's keeping us from falling over in our chairs. It's keeping our muscles tight. It's, you know, keeping us breathing. Our mind is what's focused right now on what we're doing. So, like I said earlier, what the problem is with most people is, A, they think that what they think is real, and it's not like, the, you know, there's a quote by the Dalai Lama, don't believe everything you think. Second is your thoughts are often an interpretation of your reality around you. It's not fact. The fact is the door slammed. Me thinking my husband's pissed off at me is my interpretation. It, he, the wind could have done it. It, it could, he, you know, he might've had his earbuds in and had no idea, you know, he's busy in a conversation and didn't hear it. But my interpretation is he's mad at me. And now I might spend an hour wondering why he's mad at me. And now I'm getting my, I'm revving up my glands and I'm maybe calling a girlfriend and I'm talking to her. And I, and that's like, really? So, so this being, you know, having a stressless brain, it's about the machine having it operating on a level that supports our life and then the chanting helps to deal monitor shift change our thinking
1: we need
0: this mandy we need this we all do Yay. oh gosh shanna told me before we got on with you she said this is going to be great talking mm. to you today yeah, <laughs> it has been i could we do just a quick chanting yeah
2: yeah for sure oh. Oh my God,
0: thank you so much. Okay. I'm like ready
2: to heal. Okay. Okay. So, topic how about internal conflict resolver? Oh, yes. Jingle. So, this is meditation to remove conflict. Now, I would like to tell people this is not magic. It just works one time, but you're going to have an experience. If you want something to have a lasting, deep experience, you have to commit to it every day. It doesn't have to be like 22 minutes, which is what a lot of people mm-hmm. say you can do. You can do three minutes. You can do 11 minutes. You'll know after a period of time when you're like, Yeah, I need to take myself to a little longer because I want it because you're, you're, it's like your mind's catching up with what you're doing. And now you got to go a little longer. But it's okay to start with a minute or three. So, so let's do three minutes. Does that
1: sound good? Okay. Perfect. No, that's that's even more than enough. And I love how you said, try it three times. Take it, you know, take that chance and get curious and then experience. I love that, I wrote it down, loved it. Okay, good. So your
2: eyes are going to be closed and your eyes will be focused at your brow point. Take your hands and bring them into venous lock. That means you interlace your fingers and you're gonna put them at, just at your center, right between your breasts below, which is where your vagus nerve is. Hold it there. And we're going to be chanting hummy hum, brum hum, which means we are we, we are one or we are we, we are God. So I'm going to not speak when the music is playing so that you can hear the music. There'll be about a 30 second intro and you're just going to breathe long and deep. When the chanting starts, you will breathe when you need to. And it sounds like this, hummy hum, brum hum, really quick note. When you're doing the mm at the lips, that stimulates the vagus nerve as well. So come sitting, hands in venous lock, the center of your, like your diaphragm area below your breast. eyes are closed, focus at your brow point, which is between your eyebrows and up an inch, that's the Ajna center, the center of intuition. And breathe comfortably, and when the chanting starts, you can join in or you can just listen, whatever feels comfortable for you. Thank you.
3: Hum. Ham Hum. Ham Hum. Ham Hum. Hum. Ham, ram, ham.
0: Amazing. I feel like super tingly all over my whole body, almost like, whoa. I'm about to levitate. You
1: might see my head go up.
0: I love that you offer so much gifted to people. That's what I love about our guests, too. I mean, you guys dump your souls into this work, and then you're like, here, I'm going to gift it to you. Grab my book, and you get. 37 free digital downloads but there's more
2: if you go to soundcloud and you find me all my meditations all of them three minutes is always free and the instructions are my website
0: was that really only was that really three minutes that was three minutes what i love how time is just not even a thing Thank you for keeping it simple too, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as humans, we already complicate and yes. overthink everything. Right. So mm-hmm. it was easy for me. I was very present with the vibration of my lips. Mm-hmm. What was that?
2: Hami, what, what? Hami, hum, brahm, hum means we are, we, we are God, or we are, we, we are one with everything. The yogis believe that we are you know, we're we're part of everything. And that I like to give the the analogy of if you think of all the beaches in the world, we're each a little kernel of sand. We're one. Mm-hmm. But all of us together, we're we're a big beach, you know. And and that's why, you know, when you have lots of people doing a march or creating a movement, it creates change because we're all connected. But sometimes the one little kernel is kind of hard to do. But when we meditate, we're connecting to like the three of us were connected and whoever's listening, if if they did it with us, even though they're somewhere in the world, they're still connected to the three of us.
0: It was interesting. Um, So Shanna and I, you know, both are Reiki practitioners. And I felt the first thing that came to mind was that all my chakras were being balanced. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, where can people find your book? So they can uh, find
2: it obviously on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and everywhere. It's half the price on my website and I do free shipping in the U S. So, um, okay. I encourage people to, to, um, come to my website and purchase it, right? now I just released my audio book. So it's me reading my whole book. And I'm going to tell you, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But that that's coming, that's out. It's on my website. It's coming to Audible. So I'm not yes. sure when that will be.
1: Well, I'm going to definitely get that because I am all about Audible. I clean my house and listen and it's amazing. The nice thing with, with the book, the Audible book is when you
2: get to the medica- meditation section, you can hear the instructions and you can choose to stop. And then it has the whole 11 minutes right in the audio book. So if you're cleaning, you'll just listen and you can listen, or you just skip that chapter and go to the next one. So it's it's right in there and it's all like embedded and such. So,
0: all right, so we do this thing and it's so perfectly aligns with uh, the topic of poop we do this thing at the end of our podcast called break that shit down and that's hopefully what we did for Shanna's digestive system today (laughs) (laughs) and now it's time for break that shit down
2: nobody can make you feel how you're feeling you have to be able to stop, so you can reflect, so you can
0: correct. Like that. That's a good. Reflect, one. reflect, and correct. Yeah. Mm. If you
2: cannot see what you're doing, you can't change it. I mean, because you're not even aware. So. But, but, true. but if, if if you're like wow, I just snapped at so-and-so. If, if you're like, ooh, I just snapped at someone, then you can, you, then you're aware. And then you can be like, okay, what was that about? What, And then this is the big thing. What are you making up in your head?
0: What's your interpretation? Mm. Yeah. Another
1: thing that I saw that you quoted that I just want to throw out there because I have it on my notes because I loved it so much. You said, breathing keeps you alive. Meditation keeps you sane.
2: Maybe I'll leave you with one very, one of my most favorite stories about my son. So this is when he was probably eight years old and he's my older son, we're driving in the car and he's having a complete come apart meltdown. And I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to manage him. You know, that's what we try, you know, good, bad. We're trying to manage our children and I'm trying to talk him out of it, distract him saying we're almost home, ignore him and and (laughs) the the more, you know, and he's escalating and I'm just like driving, trying not to lose it. So yeah. I start chanting. So I'm driving in my car and I'm chanting out loud because he's just mm. losing in the back. And I'm just chanting. Like I'm going, Guru, Guru, wai, Guru, Guru, dam das, Guru, Guru. And he's like, stop chanting. And I said, I'm chanting for me. Dead silence in the car. And my son goes, mama, will you chant for me too? Oh and the whole energy instantly changed i chanted maybe for 30 seconds and the whole energy changed in that car and we were done he was done with the meltdown and i said of course and i started chanting for him and for me like like that's the thing is is that chanting and meditation or singing hymns or bible verses or you know again affirmations okay good but they got to be in different language or something of that our mind gets too hooked with our mother tongue language, but there's something that changes in us and helps us to let go of our hooks and our stuckness.
0: That's a beautiful story. Yeah. You have been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank Um, you. You two are so much fun. I want to hang out with you all the time. Come to Denver. Come see us. I I woke up and had a rough morning. You have lifted my spirits with your high vibrational love. I appreciate you. Thank you.
2: Thank yeah. you, Shanna and me. Yes. I just really enjoy the two of you and have a wonderful day. And the listeners, thank you.
3: Thank, thank you. you. You were
1: Perfect. just what the doctor ordered. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe.
0: Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.